this month I was supposed to write a video and ended up cancelling it, but I did make a dice tray, so let's talk about that instead. I mentioned recently that I bought a load of tools, and this month I made my first thing with them, which ended up being a dice tray. So I've already spoken a lot about this because I spoke about it in the video, which you can go watch, but I've really wanted a dice tray for quite a while, just because we play a lot of games, if you remember, I've been talking about all the different board games I've bought over the last few months, we've even bought even more of them and just never got around to playing them. Like, I bought a version of Risk, but it turns out it's not a version of Risk we actually want to play, so I've ended up just with this Risk I'm never going to touch, which is kind of annoying, but whatever, it's kind of besides the point at the moment. But anyway, we bought a lot of games which use a lot of dice, and I've just been like rolling them on the table and they like fall off and get in the way or like knock pieces over when we roll them, and it's just, and especially with Warhammer where there's so many dice to roll, it's been getting kind of annoying doing that. And I just wanted a nice dice tray to roll them in. And I spent some time looking and you can spend a lot of money and get a really nice wooden one, but I don't have the money to spend on it. Or you can spend not very much money and get cheap little fold-up ones or weird plastic tray things that were just kind of hideous. And I just didn't like any of them. I've got all these tools now. So I was like, okay, I'll just make one. Sorry about that, it just randomly stopped recording. Luckily I didn't get very far until I noticed, but it just stopped recording for some reason. I mentioned in last month's podcast that I was decorating a room, and part of that decorating involved getting rid of a bed, and then replacing it with a new bed. Getting rid of the bed meant taking it apart and just throwing a lot of it away, but I ended up keeping quite a bit of it for use in projects. A lot of it was made out of just like chipboard and stuff, that's alright for like turning into shelves and stuff, but a lot of it's also like weird shapes and it's a not an old bed, but it's like a kid's bed, which doesn't inherently mean it's bad, but it does mean it's been around children, which means it's been pretty beat up already. And it got a bit more broken in the taking apart process because like, I don't think I built this bed, but that means I wasn't totally sure how to take it apart. So there were some bits where I did more damage to it taking it apart than I would have liked to, but a lot of it was still salvageable, so I've kept some of it to like turn into shelves, like I mentioned earlier, stuff like that. But one of the parts that I kept was some bits of metal framing, and more importantly for this, a lot of bed slats. And the bed slats are just like some hardwood, I don't know what it is, but it's great for making boxes, so I wanted to make a box. And I thought it'd just be a really good chance to make a dice tray. I got all of those, and I got some of the like random offcuts of plywood and hardwood that I mentioned, and I decided to use all that to make a dice tray. I had like a really cool plan for having it be like a sort of like three-tiered tray. The walls would have like three grooves cut into them. The top one would be for the lid. The middle one would be for the floor. And then the bottom one would also be for the lid. But it would be so that when you took the lid off, you had somewhere to store it. But then I was also going to like carve a space into the lid when you'd removed it to store your dice in. So that it was like a nice little place to keep your dice before you rolled and you'd like take them off and roll it. When it came to actually making it, I realised that the wood just wasn't thick enough to support that design. There's stuff I could do in the future to make it better, like I could stick a couple of pieces of wood together to make them thicker, things like that, but for this being my first try and not being exactly confident in what I'm doing, I figured I'd keep it simple and just make a very simple box. I'm not going to talk a lot about the problems I faced while making it, because I go into those in detail in the video. There are some sections of the video where I talked about stuff for like way longer than I had footage to support, and especially because I didn't want the video to be ridiculously long. One of the main things I kind of glossed over a lot in the video was like using my safety equipment, which sounds really boring, but when I was making the stuff, I already had planned to use my safety equipment and stuff, and it was 
a good idea to do that. But I also like didn't realize how important it was to do it. I think the easiest one to understand is the hearing protection. The first time I turned the table saw on, I was like, this is really loud. And I wasn't wearing the hearing protection at the time, mostly because I expected a lot of the noise to come from cutting the wood. And it turns out most of the noise in the table saw is just the blade spinning. <laughs> it's so loud. So from that point onwards, I just wore the hearing protection all the time when I was doing that. But when I was using the miter saw, I did all of my cuts with my hearing protection on, except one, just because I'd already put most of the things away. I thought I'd finished, put most of the stuff away, and I was like, actually, I've got one more cut to make, and it'll only be a second. And I did it, and it was so loud. It just took me by surprise how loud it was. Like, when I had my hearing protection on, I thought it was loud, but I didn't think it was that bad. And then just doing one cut, and it was just like the quickest of cuts. Just that one cut with it, without my hearing protection on, was so loud. It just like really reinforced the point in using them. And then after that is the mask. I feel like when you're watching the video, like it looks kind of stupid wearing all this stuff, but I've already got kind of like fucked up lungs. Because when I was younger, I had what's called a spontaneous pneumothorax, which is where, luckily for me, it was only part of. A pneumothorax is where your lungs collapse. And a spontaneous one is when it just happens for no reason. I was literally sat in my maths class one day, and then the top half of my left lung just collapsed. And I have no idea why. And it was incredibly painful. And it took weeks to recover from. Because the usual way of fixing a pneumothorax is you get like a really big needle and you just jab it between someone's ribs, and it releases the air from the chest cavity. When your lung collapses, it's weird. It's not actually that big of a deal. I, I mean, I realise that kind of, like, underplays it, like, you'd die if you just left it. But what I mean is, like, the lung actually doesn't really get that damaged. The issue isn't that your lung bursts. The issue is that once it bursts, it lets all the air out. So what happens is, is that if you think of your lungs as, like, a big balloon, when they inflate, they let the air in, and then they deflate and the air comes out. When they burst, what happens is all the air rushes out of the hole. And like, when you burst a balloon in space, it just goes out into the air, doesn't it? When it bursts inside you, all of the air that was inside the lungs is now inside the chest cavity. And that means that the lungs can't inflate again. So that's why it's such a big deal. The lungs themselves actually heal very quickly. Like, they seal themselves shut from the burst, like, very quickly. And you can actually just go back to using them pretty quickly. It's surprisingly easy. But the chest cavity has no way of dispersing the air. And it does slowly go, but not quick enough for you to be able to survive if you had a full pneumothorax happen. So the way to fix that, like I say, is to get a really big needle, stab it into the chest cavity, and the air just comes out, and then you're okay, and you can breathe again. Now, I was lucky in that it was only a partial collapse, but I was unlucky because of where it was. So where it was, was the top left side of my chest. And what that means is that on the front side, you've got your heart, so you can't put the needle through there. And on the back side, you've got your shoulder blade, so you can't put the needle through there. Which means I had to just wait. <laughs> I had to just wait and it was like two months solid of just not being able to breathe properly. And it's not just a matter of not being able to breathe because it hurts. It hurts every time you breathe. You just get like stabbing pains inside your chest every time you breathe because the air is like pushing around inside you. And like it really is incredibly painful. And it was just like that for weeks. And I just had to wait for it to go. The point of all this is to say that I take my lungs quite seriously. I have surprisingly good breath control now. Like, a lot of that comes from singing. Like, I sing a lot. That gives you really good breath control. Like, I've got surprisingly good lung capacity for the amount of damage I've gone through with my lungs. But I used to just dive a lot when I was younger. I actually can't dive anymore for totally different reasons. If anyone's wondering, my ears don't pressurise, which means I can't dive. The weird thing is I'm allowed to, like, just hold my breath and dive. <laughs> Basically, you need, like, to be able to pressurise your ears to get a diving certificate 
to be allowed to rent diving equipment to dive. But if you go on like the basic diving courses, they only take you to a depth that I can get to just holding my breath anyway. So I tend to just do that. It's a bit weird because I'll be like swimming around in the sea with people who are diving and I'm just holding my breath down there for a bit. Because <laughs> I also just really hate snorkeling. I'd rather just hold my breath and swim down there. But anyway, this is all completely besides the point. So I take my breath quite seriously. I take my lungs seriously. So because of that, I was already planning on using the mask and I got the mask anyway for when I was painting because we bought a spray machine and that was really good. Like it got through the room a lot quicker, but it also it made some mess, but that was because I wasn't sure how to use it. I'm more confident using it now, so it's all better. Anyway, besides the point again, I was using my mask when I was making all the dust. There was times when it was really obvious where I'm like, I'm cutting wood. I need to use the mask now. But then there was other times when it was like, I just wouldn't think about it. There was times when I'd take the mask off too soon after using the wood and dust would still be in the air and I'd breathe it in then. And then I'd start to feel bad every time. Like I'd sneeze constantly because of it. But there was other times when, especially when it came to the sanding, when I first did the sanding, like the clip that's in the video, I wasn't wearing the mask. And by the end of that clip, I was just like sneezing constantly and like my eyes were running just from the amount of it. And it was just, it was so bad. And then I just cleaned myself up because I was disgusting, <laughs> to be honest. I then put my mask on and then spent the next like hour and a half sanding the box. And I was totally fine the entire time. I also did it outside after that as well, just to mitigate the dust that was inside the house. There was times when, like I say, it was really obvious when I should wear my mask, and then there were times when I didn't think it would be a big deal, and it was a really big deal. Just how much easier it was just wearing it. It's gotten to the point where I just kind of like wearing the mask anyway now. <laughs> but yeah, like, the safety equipment ended up being like a way bigger deal than I expected it to be. And at the time, I didn't have any safety goggles, and I do now, but I really don't like them. One of the reasons why I don't like safety goggles is because I'm like literally blind without my glasses. So I can't take my glasses off, so it means I need to buy the like oversized ones. But a lot of the oversized ones are incredibly tight. They'll fit over my glasses, but they'll be really like short arms for some reason, which I don't get. And they're really tight and it just hurts wearing them. It's kind of tight wearing the mask and the ear defenders as well. But then wearing those on top as well as with a normal pair of glasses and then with my hat that I wear because it keeps my hair out of my face while I'm doing my work. It's so much and it is actually painful. So I need to look up better glasses still. But I was getting so much dust in my eyes. There was one part when I was doing the filing, where I filed one of the grooves and it got a lot of dust in it as well, blew it and it just went straight back into my eye and it was awful. The point I'm getting at is like, I always knew it was important to wear all this stuff, but there's a difference between like knowing it and like knowing it. You know what I mean? There's a difference between someone saying, you should do all this stuff and then just experiencing the stuff yourself and just being like, oh yeah, it's actually, it's actually really good to do this. <laughs> the main problem I've got now is just clean up. The amount of dust from doing this was awful. And actually the worst thing was the MDF. I used a sheet of MDF in making the crosscut sled that I used in the video and the amount of dust that came from that was awful and it was everywhere. Because MDF is like a fiberboard so it's not like, I don't think it's exactly true but you can imagine it is basically like a board made of glue and sawdust. So if you collected all the sawdust from everything you cut and then just put it into like a mould with a load of glue and like squeeze it together, that creates like a piece of MDF. It's not exactly that but basically it's that. And that means when you cut it, it just releases like shit tons of dust everywhere. And it just plumes and it just goes up in the air and it's everywhere. And that was a nightmare. And that stuff was like really bad for breathing in as well. Like the hardwood isn't actually that, I wasn't actually that worried about breathing that in. Because like, yeah, it's bad, but I'm not exactly worried about it. Whereas the MDF is actually dangerous. <laughs> so I was pretty worried about breathing that in. And like, I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't realize just how bad that was going to be. But I spent my day today just cleaning the entire room and it's not perfect but it's a hell of a lot better than it was. 
I'm planning on... I've just bought like a shit ton more dust sheets. I had dust sheets and I had them up in some places. I've got more dust sheets now for up in even more places. And I'm going to make like a frame. I was thinking about making the frame to go around my table saw. But then I was like, well, that'll give me very little space to use the wood. So I figured instead of that, I'll actually build a frame for the room, essentially. And then drape dust sheets all around the edges of the room whenever I'm cutting stuff. And then take them down afterwards. I think that makes more sense. It's more work. And it's still going to mean that the entire room needs cleaning every time. But what it will also mean is that I've got enough space to still work in, even with all the stuff. And it also means I don't have to worry about putting everything away every five seconds. I've really enjoyed doing this. I'm making another box soon. But that's not for a video. That's just a thing I've got to make. And then I've got a plan for another dice-related build. But I'm not sure if I want to do that for a video. I'd kind of like to. But at the same time, I don't know if it'd be enough to make a video out of it. Like, it's only a very small build, the thing I want to make next time, so I'm not sure if I'd get enough out of it to make a build video with. But at the same time, it'd also be really cool. Might just do it anyway. I'll think about it. I also keep having ideas for how I'd make this box even better, so I'm, like, tempted to just make another dice tray anyway. But then it gets to the point where it's like, I could just keep making dice trays because they're cool, but what am I going to do with all these dice trays I make? <laughs> like, I need one, maybe. And I'll probably just keep the one that I've made now just for like sentimental reasons anyway because it's like the first box I've ever made. So I don't know. There are some issues with this box that I didn't bring up in the video. Like the dados that I cut for the, the lid and the base to slide in. The first cut wasn't wide enough. So I had to widen them. And the second cut I did was way too wide. Like wide enough that it was like a legitimate problem. So that means that on the base that ended up not being too big of a deal because with the felt and everything it ended up going in okay. So you can't really tell there, and especially because that's glued in forever anyway, so that's not really going to be a problem. But the more problem is the top one, with it being a lid that you like slide in, the angle you can slide it in at, there's like a lot of play in it, which means if you slide it in at the wrong angle, the lid like just sits strange, not great because of that. There's also another problem where um the box is just a little bit too thin, so a D20 and a D12 just don't quite fit with the lid closed. Every other dice I've got fits, but just a D20 and a D12 don't. They're just like a little bit too high. They actually will fit if you put the lid on perfectly or if you put the dice at the exact correct angle. They have to be perfectly flat in the box and then they'll fit. But if the D20 is like on an edge rather than on a flat surface, it will not close. And then there's the gap, which is really annoying. And I've got a plan for how to fix that, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. But I really like it, but I'll keep having plans for how to make a better one. I don't know if I'd want to make another box or if I'd want to just like do some stuff to try and make this one a bit better or both, probably both in the end. I kind of like the idea of like making boxes and selling them, but I don't know who, not who would want one. I know I understand people would want dice trays, but I was talking to my wife about this. Like if you just go off like minimum wage and the amount of time it took me to make this box. Now, granted, future boxes will take me less time because I already know how to do it. But if you were just going off how long it took me to make this box this time, it was like six to ten hours so if we took it at the max it's ten hours and minimum wage in the uk right now is ten pound 42 so basically ten pound 50 so if we say ten pound 50 for ten hours that makes this box 105 pound for me to sell and then that doesn't include like material cost and stuff and like granted i got these ones free but you know like if i was making enough of them that i'd be making them regularly then i would need to start buying materials so that would actually increase the cost and then there'd also be stuff like the glue isn't free so i have to buy the glue and like not the tools, but I've got like a mat that I use for gluing on. That's going to get ruined after a bit, so I'm going to have to replace that. Like that eventually costs. And then the tape, like tape costs every time. 
there's all that sort of stuff you've got to take into account. So even if we brought it down to like, if I could make one of these boxes in five hours, that is still like 60 quid a box. And I just feel like that's a lot. Like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's a lot. But at the same time, maybe it's just a lot for the quality that I'm giving. I feel like if I could get my box to a better quality, people might be willing to pay for it. I like the idea of it, but I also just don't know how feasible it is. There is basically no news on my game this month. I spent this month very distracted, honestly, because making this box took a lot longer than I wanted it to. And because of that, I didn't have the time to spend on the game, which I wanted to. At the same time, I wasn't really planning on doing very much in the game this month. I was planning on just doing some like background work anyway, so it didn't affect anything too much. It just means that there's not a particularly interesting update to give. I did a lot of forms. That was pretty much it. Honestly, it was just forms. <laughs> it was just forms. So next month will be a more interesting update. Next month is when I'm planning to pull everything that I've made in the last few months into the game, along with some other more mechanical changes. And hopefully people like it. <laughs> it would be nice. Hopefully people buy the game because it's Halloween. It would be nice if at some point I saw some money from this game. But yeah, this month was pretty light on anything, but that'll get better next month. As for the channel, main channel, nothing's really going to be different. Just going to keep making videos once a month. It seems to be doing a little bit better. Still not great, but a little bit better. Gameplay channel, Monster Hunter's carrying on. My half hours are carrying on. Final Fantasy's carrying on. I'm getting really annoyed at doing Blue Mage stuff. I really don't like the Masked Carnival. And the fact that every single section of Blue Mage ends with doing the Masked Carnival is really annoying, but whatever. What I've been doing with that is I've been doing one week where I do all the quests, and then one week where I just spend all of my time banging my head against the mass carnival until I get through it, and then repeating every time. I've only got four more weeks of that left though. That actually includes this week when I'm recording this. By November, I will be done with that, but that doesn't matter actually, does it? Because patch 6.5 comes out in October. We've got at least enough content to do us until November-ish. After that, we'll see. There's still quite a lot of stuff I haven't done, but... The stuff I haven't done, I like even less than I like doing Blue Mage. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to do then. I'm so looking forward to Dawn Trail. Like, I keep just watching the trailer over and over again, but it's so far away. Also, can they please just release the song? I just really want to listen to the song. But anyway, that's just going to carry on for a bit. My Here Comes Nico LP finishes this week. Next month at the start of October, a new LP is going to start. You will be able to tell what that will be by the end of this week. Since I moved to making 4K videos, some of my videos haven't looked that good. It's because, this was just me being stupid, I increased the video resolution, but didn't increase the bitrate. So I was trying to fit more data in the same size and it looked bad because of it. I have fixed that now. My videos look nicer now. That's also why one of my Here Comes Nico videos looks really, really good. But that was because I used a totally different way of handling the encoding, which looks great, but made the file 32 gigabytes, which is not a good idea. It's way too big. But now I've just increased the bitrate to a place where it looks good, and my videos look a lot nicer now, so we're okay. I was like messing around with the Here Comes Nico LP doing that. I feel like I shouldn't have. I feel bad for messing with an entire LP just for the sake of getting some settings right, but it was worth it in the end. The Sentences channel. There are some changes coming up. I have been remaking all of my old sentences, like all the ones that were just on the original channel, the stuff that wasn't on TikTok, or my sentences channel, or Instagram, or whatever. The last one of those that I'm doing, though, is Warframe, and that will be in like two weeks. And after that, I'm going to have to rearrange my schedule. I'm thinking of going back to more my original schedule, where I would put new sentences up on a Sunday, but I also might not. 
I'm not totally sure how I'm going to do it right now. For a little bit at least, I'm going to move my re-releases to Tuesday. What I've done right now is an impression, then a remake, then an impression, then a new sentence, then an impression, and then on a Sunday, a re-release. Until I'm done with the re-releases, I will be moving the re-releases from Sunday to Tuesday. So it will now just be videos Monday to Friday and nothing on a weekend. That's what will go up on the YouTube. TikTok is just going to get nothing on a Tuesday for the moment, which isn't great, but I don't know what else to do. Instagram will still get things on the weekend. That's where they'll be getting my old impressions videos that haven't gone up there yet. And then eventually those will finish as well in a month or two. So then those will stop and then it'll be just videos on the weekdays and like, I'll have to work something out. I might start doing something new. I've got ideas what I'd like to do, but I don't really know. Almost every review is for a game that you have seen me play on the channels. But before I started making videos, I still finished games. (laughs) So I've still got a load of games that I've played that I could do a review for. I might go back and start doing those. I thought about doing this a really long time ago, but I didn't. Now maybe I will. I could do films. I just have to watch a film every week. is isn't like the most strenuous work, but films don't get me as much as games. Like, I just don't care as much. But anyway, there are some changes coming up to my sentence videos. By the end of next month, I'll have a clearer idea what that'll be. But right now, I'm not totally sure. I just wanted to say things are definitely changing. Streams are going to carry on as they are. Podcast carries on as it is. I don't have any other channels than that, do I? So, yeah, I think that's about it. Special thanks to all of my patrons. You can join them over at patreon.com slash holdinggatsby, and for one dollar a month, you'll get to see what I'm working on early and get exclusive roles in my Discord, along with other rewards I might think of. You can also just follow me there if you want to for free, as it's probably the best place to see all of my content as soon as it's available. There's links to the Patreon, along with my Discord, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, and all the other podcast platforms in the description for this episode. Finally, don't forget you can email me using podcastby at gmail.com if you've got anything you want to say. Thanks for sticking around. Bye. Special thanks to my patrons, Justin Wood, Hobbs, and Koopy Vegeta. <laughs>